0: Shaving can be a pain, no matter who you are, it can be uncomfortable and it can cause razor burns and give you nicks and then you have blood on your face or on your legs or on your arms, depending on wherever you'd like to shave, and on top of that, it can be outrageously expensive. So I recommend a solution, Harry's, for about half the price of the other big branded blades. Why pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades? It's half the price at Harry's, and with Harry's, you'll get a better shave that respects your skin, your face, your legs, and your wallet. The starter set is an amazing deal. For $15, you get a razor, moisturizing cream, and three razor blades. And with promo code WT, that stands for What's Tech, you can get $5 off that for an amazing deal. Men, women, we all need razors that shave well and don't suck. That's harrys.com and enter coupon code WT at checkout for $5 off and start shaving better today.
1: So this is the middle of the night, December 15th, 2013, which is pretty near the peak of Bitcoin. Uh, and this guy named Jeff lost 10.6 Bitcoins, which at the time was... Almost $10,000. And at some point, someone takes it. This is like in the middle of the night. He calls up the service that he's using. And he says, you know, what the hell? And so he got a refund. But then a month later, his daughter is being born. And he's like at the hospital. And he sees a new purchase for like $7,000. And it's still linked to his checking account. So his Bitcoin account, it's like if you have PayPal, you can like link it to your checking account. And, you know, he's in the hospital and looks at his phone. It's like, oh, crap. So he, he like, unlinks it immediately, taking time away from his newly expanded family. But, like, that 7000 they were like, you got a refund once. Like, we can't give you a refund every time someone just steal stuff from you and he still doesn't really know how either of them happened like these people should not have been able to just spend his money but like somehow something happened and someone got in twice i mean it seems like there's a pretty simple takeaway
0: here yeah don't have kids Cause you gotta keep an eye on the, on
1: that Bitcoin account. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't have money. You know, just just appreciate the sunset and like the like feeling of being alive without getting caught up in like possessions. You know. Yeah, I guess that's another way you could read it.
0: And welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from The Verge. If you've never heard the show before, What's Tech is a show that answers that question. What is technology in a time when everything sort of feels like technology? I'm your host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I am joined by my friend, my colleague, someone that I think is considerably smarter than me, even though that applies to most people I have on this show, oh, the show, The Verge's reporter, Russell Brandom. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great.
1: That's so great to hear. I'm hitting my prime right now.
0: You know, I was about to say the same, but I didn't want to make you feel bad about your past. (laughs) No, no.
1: I think it's good to
0: recognize the prime when it happens. Speaking of recognizing the prime when it happens, today we're talking about Bitcoin, uh, which may have passed its prime. We'll get to that. Uh, But first, let's start with the the most, I guess, blunt question. What
1: is Bitcoin? Yeah, so it's sort of a currency. It's sort of like a money system. Uh, I think, okay, the best way I can sort of explain it is think about like you're running a bank or some sort of money service and you maybe have, you know, when you're doing your books, you have this big list, a ledger where you say, okay, you know, Chris has this much money and then, you know, his, the grocery store has this much money and the landlord has this much money and Russell has this much money. And like, here's the check he wrote to his landlord. And so I can see when his account goes down and the landlord account goes up and I have this check that sort of is stamped and is proof of that. And I can see sort of all of these transactions and, and I can see that no one's like making up money or sort of writing checks for money that they don't have because I'm sort of keeping track of all of this on this huge book that, I keep in a bank vault somewhere, right? Sure. Um, I mean, whether like this actually, you know, actually this is sort of happening in a bunch of different places, but you can imagine this is like you sort of have this, the idea of this thing in any money system. So Bitcoin in the broadest possible sense is a way of doing that kind of collectively with math It's like we're going to have all of that and we're going to use encryption to verify that the things that are happening are really happening and prevent anyone from spending money they don't have or, you know, spending the same money twice and kind of have a running tab where you can see every transaction that happened and you can see every account. And so in some ways, I mean, this is one of the crazy things about it is I can, if if you say this is my Bitcoin account, I can see for that Bitcoin account every transaction you've ever made, every sort of reconstruct how much money you had at each point and kind of just get really detailed information that you would never, like, in, in many ways, this is considered very, very private. But the reason it's okay is you can't conclusively it's very difficult to connect an account to a person. So once the account's there, you're like, okay, this account had this much money, but, you know, is that Chris's only account? Is that even Chris's account? Is it some other person's account? So all of this stuff is kind of there, and you you get a lot of information about each account, but then it's hard to connect accounts to people. For people who don't have a lot of money, it's kind of like Venmo then,
0: right? Like how Venmo has the stream. I mean, it's nothing like Venmo in a way, but... But that the for people who use Venmo, which is like new PayPal, there's a stream of everything that I have sent money to people for.
1: Well, for all of your friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, well, and that's the thing. So you can imagine Venmo like somewhere in Venmo, they have the they have the sort of big book of here's everyone who's sort of he, here's all the transactions that are happening and how much is in everyone's account, right? And like this is information that you sort of need to keep track of everything. But the cool thing about Bitcoin is. It's decentralized. So it's not like, you know, Venmo is, in order to perform this service, is charging you some sort of, they're skimming something off the top as as sort of payment for them performing a service. And they have kind of total control over it. Um, and this also gets into like, okay, if you don't trust the people who are like printing money and deciding how much money to print and sort of centrally managing currencies in like a macroeconomic way and like the Fed and all of that stuff um, Bitcoin sort of doesn't have any of that because all of the, that function is kind of being distributed through the entire network.
0: So here's my
1: problem. Yeah.
0: Say someone gives me a Bitcoin. Yes. And I'm like, great. I am going to put this in my Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. Now I have lots of wallets. I've had lots of wallets in my past. Humble brag, I right? I can't. Here. I mean, I don't. I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty good with wallets. I've probably had two or three wallets. Over oh my gosh! Life, wow. I don't want to derail the conversation, but but I I don't think I could get a Bitcoin into a wallet. How? What do I do with my Bitcoin?
1: Um. Okay. You've stumped me pretty early in the podcast already. Uh, well, uh, well, no, no. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> so essentially, when someone gives you a Bitcoin, okay, your Bitcoin wallet is this string of numbers. And when they give you the Bitcoin, it's like writing a check. And you don't really have to deposit it. They just sort of send it to the distributed network that functions as a bank. And it says, okay, we're adding one Bitcoin to this string of numbers that is your your Bitcoin wallet. And then if you want to spend it, you say you have sort of your extra code that verifies you as the owner of the wallet. And you say, okay, here's this code. I am going to sign this check with my extra code and say, put it in this other wallet. And then that's you spending it. And and it's sort of equivalent to to signing a check. Yeah, no, totally. It's complicated. What you're saying is... Yeah. Somebody uses a string of numbers They're to are me of a string of numbers yep. that sits in a string of numbers. This is why they call it a wallet, because if you just say it's a string of numbers, then like... It doesn't sound safe. Well, and it also sounds really confusing, because you're also... The check is a string of numbers, and you're signing it with a string of numbers, and you're Ugh. sending it to another string of numbers, so it's like... That's why it's like, okay, I'm signing a check that goes to a wallet, like the, these... but But I mean, in fact... You know, our voices are strings of numbers that the podcast people are listening to. Not to blow your mind too thoroughly, but... You know in, like, 80s movies where, like,
0: <laughs> the, the, the bully... Like, the nerds has, like, math at the bully and he gets yeah. mad? Like, that's how I, I... It's, like, irrationally mad. Yeah, no, I feel that way a lot.
1: Um, why, why would anyone want to use this? Um, so there are a lot of interesting questions. Or th- there are a lot of interesting answers to that question. So, so... Okay, the simplest possible answer, and like historically in Bitcoin as a phenomenon, why you would want to do this is because there's a, the value of your Bitcoin, if you bought it at the right time, could like skyrocket, right? So if you bought it, you know, in 2013, then you paid like $2 for it and it was worth $1,000 a little while later. And so people got very excited about this because they said, oh, this is such a good idea. Like this distributed currency is such a cool idea that everyone will want it. And if I buy a couple of these now, I will later be able to purchase a jazz guitar with them, even though now it only costs, you know, a candy bar's aspect of that's how I think about money We're <laughs> finding out but how so many candy bars and jazz guitars can this bitcoin it's a ch- get, candy right? bar well I mean this is also money is a so people when you talk about bitcoin it gets very abstractive. like money is a store of value and it's a unit of account and it's also a method of exchange and like which of these functions is bitcoin's like performing well but so I mean the other thing is I, I think in my most earnest pitch for bitcoin. What I would say is like if I wanted to send, I mean if you've ever tried to send sums of money to people in foreign countries, it's actually kind of a pain like even something like PayPal will take a fairly significant percentage. So it's just like I need someone to translate this text from Vietnamese for me and so I am going to hire someone in Vietnam to do this and I'm going to pay them like you know, $100, well, I'm going to send them $108 and they're only going to get $100. And, you know, if you're you're like sending money to your family back home in Nigeria or something, actually Bitcoin is probably going to be a cheaper way of doing that, right? Because you'll be able to, if you have a Bitcoin address and they have a Bitcoin address, you can do it totally free and just send it very, very easily once you've mastered these concepts, which are a little difficult to master. But like once you've figured out how to use it, you can send money sort of instantly, totally free, pretty easily, right? And, and that genuinely is a thing that like, it's a really complicated way of doing it. But once you get it set up, it really does work. And it really is a good way of doing it. And I think going forward, that's kind of the value of Bitcoin that we're going to see people using it. It's just like, internationally, it's still difficult to send money internationally. And Bitcoin does make it a lot easier. But it only works, I would guess, if Bitcoin
0: stabilizes because it's a depreciating, depreciating at rapid rates. It goes
1: all, yeah, the, the price is all over the place. Well, I mean, so if I were sending money back to my family in Nigeria, I would probably like buy this Bitcoin and then a minute later send it to them. And then as soon as they had it, tell them to sell it and get actual money with it. But I mean, you can do that very easily and you can do that whole process Pretty cheaply and pretty simply. And so if you're not like holding on to it, this is the thing, is a lot of people wanted to hold on to it because it skyrocketed in value. The other thing, which is the other historical reason why people have wanted a lot of Bitcoin, is because you can have a wallet that no one knows is yours, Mm. it becomes a way to purchase things that the police might not want you to purchase. And without them being able to connect it to you, specifically drugs. And so, I mean, and also like if I am a Russian scammer and I need to, you know, buy blank credit cards or some sort of fraud economy thing. A lot of that, like, there were actually things before Bitcoin that they used that were like, that had these similar properties, but Bitcoin has kind of replaced a lot of that. Um, And so for law enforcement, it becomes that challenge. And then how do you... One of the big things that's facing like legitimate Bitcoin companies now, because it's become a hot startup thing also, uh, is, okay. how do we separate the properties we like about it from the properties that are enabling this crime? And actually, do we want to right? Or, or is this where we sort of take our libertarian stand and say, like, you know, the feds don't like it, but big whoop. And, and so you're sort of seeing those battle lines be drawn where like some people are a little bit more committed to the ideology of it. And other people are saying, you know, actually, let's just make a business out of this technology. And if that means kowtowing to the Norman yoke, then that's just what we'll do.
0: Well, I guess that leads to the big question, which is, mm.
1: is, is this legal? Yeah. So Bitcoin itself is legal. Yeah, (laughs) that's (laughs) I'm not a lawyer, so don't (coughs) later if you get arrested. But just buying Bitcoin is absolutely legal and it's not a problem for you, right? Like you should not feel like you're going to get arrested if you buy Bitcoin. Maybe some of the things that you're doing with this Bitcoin, if you do something that's illegal and the cops later find out that actually that was your wallet, they may arrest you for the things you did with this Bitcoin. But I mean, I I just use it to buy, you know, history books and uh, you know, medicine for you know all all morally positive things. Where, you, where <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the most innocent possible purchase: candy and history books and uh, jazz guitars. Jazz guitar. Well, you know, jazz has some unsavory influences. I don't know. The police are very interested in jazz as well. But um, yeah, so I mean. The, the that's totally legal. I think the other weird thing is if you are running a company, which so if I then I have my five dollars and I want to convert it into Bitcoin, the simplest way is to go to a company or an exchange that will kind of look like PayPal. Coinbase is one of the most prominent of these. And they sort of handle all the complicated math for you and take a little bit of a cut. It's generally cheaper than traditional services because there's less overhead, but those companies have all these complicated financial regulations that they need to comply with, and sometimes if they don't comply with it, they end up in legal trouble, but, I mean, probably very few of our podcast listeners are—, are if, if you're one of those people, you probably already know more about Bitcoin. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that is like a weird legal position. And then a lot of people use it to do illegal stuff. But, you know, you can't outlaw math, man. Yeah. Math is legal for now. And yeah, I mean, well, uh, you know, I don't want to make too much fun of it. Like, this is actually an important point that just like using math, they really can't outlaw that. That's important. So, yeah, Bitcoin is definitely legal.
0: So I have a nice graphics card on my Ooh, computer. Okay, this is
1: another hump. This and you're living the the many wallet. And I know graphics multiple card wallets. Style a yeah. nice
0: graphics card. Uh, I've been told that I can use my graphics card to mine Bitcoin. Yes.
1: What the hell does that mean? Okay, so this is going to involve more math. I just want to okay. warn you up. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> So who is keeping this ledger that we talked about in the beginning? Like, how do you maintain that and how do you, like, do the work of that, right? And make it so that I can't sort of slip in my bad checks into the system, right? So who's maintaining that? Um, basically, the work of maintaining that and kind of constantly encrypting it more and more so it's harder and harder to slip in bad bad sort of checks is this work that's done by miners where they're constantly adding stuff to the ledger and performing these encryption operations on it. And there's like this weird lottery system where you're you're performing this operation to get this number and whoever gets the number sort of uses it to add another block to the chain and to the... Yeah, they add sort of another section to the ledger and they are rewarded for this with a sort of block of Bitcoin, Right. So when you're a Bitcoin miner, what you're doing is performing this operation with your graphics card, which graphics cards specifically are sort of uh, very good at this specific operation for like hardware reasons. Um, And so you can get a rig or you can sort of operate as part of a distributed rig or you can buy a like portion or an interest of a mining collective. And it's sort of hard to predict because it's this lottery thing and you don't know who's going to race to get the number first. You don't really know how much you're going to get. But as the price of Bitcoin sort of historically went up, this was a great way to like get Bitcoin without having to buy it. New Bitcoin would just come into existence and the miners would sort of get a block of it. So people have made money this way. And I mean... It's also extremely power-intensive, and so people talk about, like, the carbon footprint of Bitcoin because there's all these graphics cards that are, like, running and kind of baking the thing in, which, I mean, that's totally fair. And also, the big the price of Bitcoin has kind of cratered recently, so at a certain point, it doesn't become cost-efficient anymore. The yeah. other thing, just to bring criminals back into it once again, because they're never completely out of the picture in Bitcoin— one of the things that you see is if you can hack someone's computer and how do you want to make money off of this, you can put their computer to work mining Bitcoin. And this is something uh, uh, a program, I think a torrent program got in trouble recently because they were running a background ad that was mining Bitcoin and it sort of had paid them to to group in. And like suddenly they were just sort of subtly hacking everyone who installed this program because... And, and, and I mean, this was how they made money. This is a way to make money, but it's sort of like, uh-oh. But so basically, this is now a way that you can convert like your processing cycles of your computer and potentially get some money on the other side, although it's often difficult to predict exactly how much you're going to get.
0: Who invented Bitcoin? Yes. And I know, I kind of know the answer to this,
1: but I also don't at all. Okay, so so there's a simple answer, but then... There's it sort of raises more questions than it answers. So the answer is Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay, sure. So that's the simple answer. But then the question is, who is Satoshi Nakamoto? What is his what are his methods? Who who is this person? Is he a single person, or is he, like Raz Ghul, a sort of name for an entire network of people and like What's wow. big, what is this
0: big Razal Ghoul spoiler there?
1: <laughs> that movie was ten years ago. Huh. Also, I'm not even telling you which movie, so you don't even you don't even know. Great point. Wayne's World 2. Yeah, yeah it was <laughs> Wayne's World 2. The the mysterious antagonist of Wayne's World 2. But yeah, so I mean actually, in fact, Satoshi Nakamoto I mean, okay, there's a funny story about this, which Well, I'll just lead with the funny story. So Newsweek a while ago, this has been a little more than a year ago now, announced that they had found Satoshi Nakamoto. And and I mean, so he's historically secretive. There are a lot of messages that are signed by Satoshi Nakamoto. And like in the early days when they were kind of getting together the group of people who are going to maintain the code of Bitcoin and kind of manage a lot of the problems that popped up in the governance of it you know, he he would talk to people and say, okay, you know, you guys work on this. I'll work on this. Like, I think, you know, what Bitcoin needs now is more of these people. And so we'll we'll sort of reach out to them and like maybe this institution would be good to build. And like, there is this sort of network of correspondence. And I mean, the the foundational thing is the initial spec for, okay, this is how a Bitcoin system would work was signed by Satoshi Nakamoto. So someone was signing these things and we have everyone sort of assumed that it was a, it was pseudonym um, possibly for one person, possibly for many people. uh, And it was kind of like, okay, who is this guy? Like he's, he generally is communicating at these times. So we think that he's probably like in this time zone or maybe he's working at night and like, what's his deal? Like he has some defined stake of all the Bitcoin, which is now worth like this insane quantity. So a while ago Newsweek was like we found him. It's this old Japanese guy who loves trains and has like been unemployed for a while and his name is Sasha to- Satoshi Nakamoto. Like no one thought <laughs> they were like yeah, he's been hiding in plain sight. He's just this dude who lives in California and the reporter went up to him, like went up to his house and he was like, "Oh no, I don't I don't want to talk to reporters." And they were like they're like, "You invented Bitcoin, right?" And he was like, Oh, you found me. And then he went back into his house. I forget exactly what he said, but it was like one of those things where, like, it seemed in the article at the time that he was admitting to it, but then it became clear pretty quickly that this was just this random guy, (sighs) but not before, like, all the press in the world. Like, he drove to a fast food place, and there were, like, 10 cars following him because they were like, we found him. Oh, my God. And he's just this random dude. (laughs) Um, who happened to have the same name as the pseudonym of the person used? So it, it's not him. It's not this Japanese man in California named Satoshi Nakamoto. But I mean, I think that's a sign of how interested people are in like exactly who this guy is. So the best guess, and this was, I think the, the if you want the full answer, there's a there's a good section in Nathaniel Popper's recent uh, book about Bitcoin, which I believe is called Making Money, um, that. That sort of goes into it. It's pretty clear that it's some Razal Ghul situation where it's some network of people who kind of established it. There are really only so many people in the world who like are had done work during that period of like using this form of cryptography to create a currency system. Like there weren't that many people who were interested in that, so. It does seem like it was this small collective of people, but, like, then you can't point to a single guy who was Satoshi Nakamoto. It was kind of this, like, one of these sort of internet names where it's like, oh, like, now you're the Dread Pirate Roberts. And, like, it, and which, which I mean is kind of cool. I, here's, here's my big question. Yeah.
0: And, and we'll wrap it up with this one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Say I want, to, I want to invest in Bitcoin. Yeah. What <laughs> if it's all just numbers and people are already using like insane powerful uh rigs to crack and build and do whatever with these numbers, how the hell would all of my money not just be
1: stolen? Yeah. I mean, well, this is the thing. So like right now it's not a very good investment. It's been like it. <laughs> losing value for like some time. And I mean some people say this is actually good for Bitcoin, that like You know, the price will stabilize and then people can feel better about using it to send money to their family in Nigeria. But like that's yeah, the the big problem is still basically that. Okay, so here's an example, right? If someone gets my credit card number and like spends money using my credit card, there's a pretty strong chance that I am going to get that money back. There is no such guarantee with Bitcoin. And like, this is a big thing, right? Not only is there no mechanism to get your money back, but there's no like many tentacled army to discourage and prosecute fraud, right? There's no equivalent mechanism at all, right? And this is part of what comes with having an open system, right? Because, you know, if the point is just you're signing everything over to Bank of America and they're going to take care of all the problems, you know, that that comes with some negatives if maybe you don't like Bank of America and you have concerns about all of this politically. But it means that when you leave that ecosystem, suddenly if someone can get that code that is your signature that you're using to sign things, then the game is up. And this is what happened to Jeff. And he's he never really found out. I mean, there were sort of theories about like, well, okay, Coinbase is signing it this way and they found this token that he had. But like, fundamentally, if someone can crack your computer security, they can get all the money that's in your Bitcoin wallet, right? This is a this is a uh. persistent property of Bitcoin. And the other, I mean, your best protection, and this is like as a security person on the internet, right? Like the, the frightening fact about the internet is the reason hackers aren't a big problem for you as a citizen of the internet is it's not that lucrative to hack a random person, right? So you know, if if someone could spend like hundreds of dollars to get into my email, there's not a lot they could do there, right? Like they could, you know, they could start sending me spam or like get other things. Pretty soon I'd be like, you know, Gmail would notice, hey, this person from the Ukraine is logged into your email and then they would shut it down, right? And then, okay, how much, how much value did they get from that? But if you have a Bitcoin wallet, then they know that there's some money on the other end of it. So this is why whenever, like, there's a big leak of passwords, the first thing people look for is, is there any sign? You know, if if I'm like BitcoinPro437 at gmail.com, they're like, all right, we'll run that email first. See if there's any way we can get into that. Because if there's any password reset in there, like... This guy, we can get thousands of dollars out of, which is just not true of most accounts on the internet. So then your whole level of security has to be like many notches higher because you are a target. So I don't know how you fix that. I think in some ways it means that for Bitcoin, the Bitcoin internet is still kind of the Wild West where like, you know, people are maybe gonna come after you. Like you, you know, most people who have used Bitcoin for a while, you know, there will be some hacking story, right? Like, there there will be something. And, and everyone is very concerned, like, well, did the you know, if they can get this string of numbers, like where are you going to keep the string of numbers? Does anyone have the string of numbers other than you? So are you going to keep it on a paper wallet and you just print it out and you have the thing and that's the only place it exists? And so if no one can get that piece of paper from your wallet, then no one has it. Or are you giving it to some company that you trust like Coinbase and you say, okay, well then I can, you know, I don't have to deal with the number myself if I just want to send Chris $5, but... If anything happens with Coinbase or if anything happens between me and Coinbase, so, you know, someone hacked my browser and I use the browser to log into Coinbase and then suddenly they can present themselves as me to Coinbase and then get, get me that way, you really sort of, sort of have to lock down your thinking of what are all the ways people can get in. But some, pe- that's the, some people like that. Like some people like thinking that way. And so it's sort of fun for them. You know, I want to
0: I wanna thank you for two things today. I want to <laughs> thank you for being a guest on this show, first and foremost.
1: Oh, I mean, pleasure was all mine.
0: And second of all, I want to thank you for convincing me to never, ever get a Bitcoin account. Oh, yeah. Because no, I'm
1: properly it's, terrified It's of it. a mess out there. And, you know, mothers tell your children... Stay away from Bitcoin.
0: You heard it here first, dear listener. Uh, Tell your children uh, (laughs) to stay away from Bitcoin. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode of What's Tech, you know what? Visit TheVerge.com. There's plenty more there by Russell that you should read. Uh, You can follow the show on Twitter, too, at What's Tech. Uh, You can find us on iTunes uh, or iTunes.com forward slash What's Tech. Uh, And while you're there, leave a review of the show. That goes a long way to getting us to more listeners. And when there are more listeners, it's easier for us to make more shows. It is a fantastic thing. Uh, Or you know what? You can listen to us on other services too, but still go to iTunes and leave a review. Why not? Uh, Thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye.